Hello and welcome back to Season 6 of the Referendum Podcast, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com with your host Big John and lead analyst Jesse J. And Wild Card Weekend is this weekend. I am Big John with lead analyst Jesse J, and we are back for a award show that we've done every year for the past I don't know how many years. Jesse, how you doing? Good. How about you? Pretty good. I'm excited for Wild Card Weekend. Some good games. Um, we'll get into it in another podcast about. Um, how difficult was it for you to come up with um, your awards list that we have set out? So I think. This year, it was a little bit harder, maybe for some of the MVP type stuff and like offensive player of the year. I think that was maybe a little bit more challenging. Overall, though, I didn't find the awards to be that hard, just just for me personally. But the MVP, offense player of the year, those to me were really competitive award awards along with defense player of the year. Uh, those are probably the three I've spent the most time on. Okay, um, so we have our own personal awards list. It consists of MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, uh, Biggest Collapse of the Year, Most Disappointing Player of the Year, Best Running Back of the Year, Best Wide Receiver of the Year, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, NFL Coach of the Year, uh, Best uh, Worst Part of the 2023 Season, NFL Defensive uh, Rookie of the Year, Most Disappointing Most Disappointing Coach Coaching Job of the Year, and Best NFL Assistant Coach of the Year. So let's get into the show, Jess. Our first award I have listed for MVP is Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. I think he was probably the most important guy to his team. Um, he he didn't have he wasn't leading in touchdowns, he wasn't leading in yards or anything like that. But his presence on the field, you know, he was the most important guy in all of football for his team, and they won. I think they ended the season with a. 13 and 13 and 4. 13 and 4 record. They um, were 13 him as a starter. 13 and 3 as a starter, yes. Um he had 3678 yards, 24 touchdowns, tied for 11th, seven interceptions and his QBR was 65.1, which is fourth in the NFL. That is my MVP for the league. Who do you have, Jess? I have CJ Stroud as my MVP for the 2023 season. What? To, to me, I I wanted to go I I like Lamar and I thought he did a really great job, and he deserves to be MVP. But for me, watching that last game, the the Texans played to beat the Colts to win the division. They ended up winning them the division and getting them into the playoffs. To me, that was the moment I decided CJ Stroud was going to be my MVP, just given our expectations for that team coming into the season. The Ravens were expected to be a playoff team if Lamar could be healthy. They were a playoff team with Lamar, who missed the end of the season last year. So you look at a Texans team that was devoid of talent and had a new coach, a first-time head coach at that. To me, C.J. Stroud, what he did, despite the fact he missed a few games, he is my MVP because that Texans team does not make the playoffs if it's Case Keenum or Davis Mills playing the entire year. What? Where the hell did that come from? I did not expect that at all. 
I, I, I heard your argument for it, but I, that is, I am shocked. It really came in that last game of the season where he was making big-time throws, and you saw the difference between a great quarterback or a, I should say, potentially great quarterback like C.J. Stroud and Gardner Mitchell, who I think is just a really good quarterback. Like, I think he's a good starting quarterback. But he's the best quarterback in the league. You saw the difference, though, when you have one of those guys like C.J. Stroud who made two or three throws in the game. They were just marvelous. Interesting, interesting take. Okay, well, let's go to uh, next on the list. Defensive player of the year. Who do you got, Jess? I went with Miles Garrett. I felt like he made the biggest impact. The Browns had a defense that was a lot of fun to watch. They made a lot of big plays. They, at times, single-handedly won games for the Browns when they were dealing with quarterback issues. I feel like the middle of the season was where the Browns season, it was kind of, would it would it go down or would they, would they fall flat and miss the playoffs? I feel like it was their defense in... The, their greatness that led them to the playoffs. And then, obviously, Joe Flacco comes in and he's played really well for them. But the thing that steadied them and got them at least to the, a level of the playoff team was their defense. He is my pick as well. He was just as important to his team as Lamar Jackson was to the Ravens. I think that's a fair statement, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Miles Garrett, to me, was the most impactful de- defender this year. I, I think it's pretty – there were other good players like T.J. Watt, but I just feel like Miles Garrett – there are times he just took games over. Even if he didn't necessarily have big sack numbers, you could feel the presence of him, and you knew you were going to have to send two or three guys at him to try to slow him down. The fact that he had 14 sacks, and it wasn't even number one, he wasn't even in first place in the league in sacks. I think he's tied with Micah Parsons uh, for second. With Micah Parsons for second, I think above him was T.J. Watt, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who has 19 for the season, who is just as deserving as Miles Garrett. Um, Miles Garrett is a game changer. Just what he's done on special teams alone this year, that clinched it for me. And he was consistent. I think he was at top five for pressures in the league. Pretty amazing stuff from a guy that big. That's my defensive player of the year. Next, we have offensive player of the year, and I have Miami Dolphins' Tyreek Hill. Tyreek will, by the time his career is done, will be a top a top five quarterback of all uh, – a top five wide receiver, I'm sorry, of all time. Tyreek went uh, 1,799 yards. He had 13 touchdowns. The guy's amazing. He is the best, most dominant, probably wide receiver that can change a game in a hiccup, and he proved it again this year. That's my offensive player of the year is Tyreek Hill. Who do you have? I went with Puka Nakua, the Los Angeles Rams wide receiver. I, I, For a lot of the reasons, I, I, I agree with you with Tyreek Hill being the offensive player of the year. But for me, I felt like Puka Nakua and the way he kind of stabilized the Rams, especially when Cooper, um, yeah, Cooper Cup, he went when he had his issues early in the year and at times was just working his way back in and wasn't as effective. I feel like he was the thing that stabilized that offense and really gave them a lift. And especially as you got late in the year, he is, he became one of the reasons that Matt Stafford was able to make a surge towards the end of the season. So for me, he is my offense player of the year. That's a fair, that's fair. Another surprise, um, I did not expect that from you. My comeback player of the year. This was tough for me. I understand people want to put DeMar Hamlin, DeMar, DeMar Hamlin um, and give him this award. I almost, I almost think it's two separate – just real quick. I think it's almost two separate things where it's like you're, you're judging it off based two criteria in, in essence. It's the comeback player of the year, in, in, yes, in theory is DeMar Hamlin, but if you're actually doing a, a performance-based one, 
because obviously with DeMar Hamlin, like that is one of the more incredible stories that he was able to, that he's alive and that the fact he's playing football again, just that that's, it's an incredible story. But in terms yeah. of performance and like on, on the field, you said your, your, uh, comeback player here is Baker Mayfield. He, it is Baker Mayfield. Um, to, to me, I think that's a good one because Baker was somebody who last season was kind of a fringe player, and he really, I think, asserted himself as a a good starting quarterback in the NFL again. I mean, last year he had 850 yards, total yards, four touchdowns and two interceptions. This year he's got 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and 4,000 yards. It's pretty good. That's my comeback player of the year. And the person I was going to – I had a uh, – I was conflicted of choosing just Demar Hamlin just because of the whole his his yes Daniel yeah. Baker and, and then I had Matthew Stafford but yeah I, I don't think he would have been wrong with either I think it's just it kind of just depends on how you uh, view the award and what what you what kind of opinion on it and in mm-hmm. a lot of cases most people are probably going to have Demar Hamlin as their comeback player of the year so I don't mind it so much being different just you know for the sake of conversation okay. Well, that's mine. Who's yours? Uh, for me, it, for me, is actually Baker Mayfield as well because I felt like Baker was almost out of the league last year. Then he had a little bit of a run with the Rams, and I think what we saw with Baker Mayfield is that he, while he was a bit up and down at times with the Bucks, I think he firmly established he's one of the 32 best starting quarterbacks in the league. I did not think he would be a starter. He's by one the of the what? He's one of the best 32 starting quarterbacks in the league, and I did not think that was going to be the case coming into the season. That at the end of the season. Th- you would know he's one of, easily one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Jess. Yeah. Um, we lost you. Can you say that one more time? So for for me with Baker, the reason I have him as my comeback player of the year is that coming into the season, we didn't think he would necessarily be a entrenched starting quarterback, that he's easily one of the 20 best starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think right. that's the case. Season. Who were you com- – were you conflicted at all about choosing somebody else besides – Baker, or was it the same thing like Demar Hamlin or, or Baker, uh, um, Matthew Stafford, or what? I, I thought I thought about Joe Flacco, but I did one, too. One of the things about Joe Flacco is that he did finish the season as the Jets starter. I know it was because Zach Wilson was terrible, but he did finish the season as the Jets starter last year. And I don't necessarily know if it's that he came back from anything other than just being on the Jets in that terrible organization. Okay. Uh, next is I have the biggest NFL collapse of the year. Who do you have? Uh, for me, it's it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were a team that I firmly expected to be in the playoffs. I expected Trevor Lawrence to take a step forward. I, this is something I just said I was talking about all year is how I expected Trevor Lawrence to take a step forward and this to be a team that competing for a Super Bowl. And then they com- they completely collapse in the middle in the middle of the season. They fall apart. They miss the playoffs. Just a complete choke choke job by them. Yeah, they are also my my um collapse of the year. Biggest collapse of the year. Thank you, Jess. Um, I think at one point they were eight and four or eight and three. They finished the season nine and eight. That's horrible. And there's, and a, huge, there's a huge problem in Jacksonville. If everybody expected them to take the next step forward and be competing maybe for an AFC championship game appearance, and they weren't even close to that, they just completely collapsed in the second half of the season. And it was one of the more disappointing things this year, given that the AFC is more open than it has been in the last couple of years. I couldn't agree more, and I know we shouldn't talk about this on this podcast because this is not what that pod, what this podcast is about. But honestly, I think Pete Carroll could do good in Jacksonville because Doug Peterson may be the problem. Uh, yeah, but, I did. 
that entire situation with Jacksonville just doesn't make any sense. It was it was the complete opposite of what happened last year. Last year they started slow and finished really strong. This year they started out pretty well and then they just completely fell apart as the season went on. You know, and you and I are huge fans of Trevor Lawrence, and we and you yourself, I know you're you're a huge um, Trevor Lawrence fan, but you've said it since week one. I want to see him do something different. I want to see him come back and just say, "Damn, yeah, it's different now. It, he's that guy." We didn't get that this year, Jess, and it was to the team's detriment and to his. It was just very, very ugly, very ugly. At home, they were four and five. Away, they were five and three. Maybe if they played played most of their games away, they'd be better. I don't know. But moving on, the most disappointing player of the year. Who do you have? Uh, for me, it's Kenny Pickett. Uh, not that I thought that he would be some great quarterback, but the fact that if he would have just been a competent level NFL starting quarterback, the Steelers were an easy playoff team. And the fact they went to Mason Rudolph, who who, who was their third string quarterback, and that he is starting a playoff game and they see him as an upgrade is really bad. And it speaks poorly of how Kenny Pickett's season went, how poorly that season went. Uh, so for me, he is my biggest disappointment of the season. Uh, my biggest disappointment of the year, I think there is probably nobody you could put in this, this category but him, and that's Justin Herbert. Just played like dog shit. I don't know if it's because his head coach – or what? But they had the team. Every, so many people predicted them to win the Super Bowl this year, to go to the Super Bowl at least. Huge well, collapse. There's well, no, well, there, honestly, there's really nobody that should be in this category but him. Uh, for me, it was just my expectation level, though. My expectation was that now they were worse than I thought they would be, but I didn't think they were a playoff team. After was that because happened, you don't like Brandon Staley, or is that because Justin Herbert? I thought a combination of both. Just after how last season ended, it just made a lot of sense that it was time to blow this team up and that they would just come, they would kind of fall apart after they blew that big lead in the playoffs. You did say that. Um, I mean, he went, I think, three or four games this entire season without throwing a touchdown. I mean, where he didn't throw a touchdown. You're paid $50 million a year and you can't deliver one? That's pretty fucking bad. Like, really, really bad. I don't know why he didn't click with his teammates. What's crazy is the defense that sucked just as much as the offense this year for the for the Chargers stepped up towards the latter latter part of the season and they looked really good and the offense still looked like shit. So I, I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know who they get to coach that team, but the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert, they both need fucking help. They need help really, really bad. The question I have with the Chargers is are they gonna spend the money necessary to go get somebody who is a big name? Because they've been kind of cheap in the past. Are they going to give someone 15 to 20 million to come in and try to clean up their mess? Or are they going to try to go hire a young guy like a Brandon Staley, um, and like some of the other coaches they've had in the past in an attempt to kind of go cheap and then you start paying your coach if it's successful as opposed to just overpaying for a known commodity? Well, I did hear that they were, that the Chargers are interested in um, bringing in the defensive coordinator from the Dallas Cowboys. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, yes. That should be interesting. Um, especially with their defense that they have now as they're aging, but they're actually playing they played really good, like I said earlier. Um, moving on. Who do you have for the best wide receiver of the year? Uh so for me it well it, I did have Puka Nakua as the best receiver this year. I felt like it, it was close between him and Tyree Kill, but my expectation level for Puka Nakua was not to have fifteen hundred receiving yards this year. Uh so for me I went with Puka Nakua over Tyreek Hill. And some of it did kind of end with the way the season ended with, with Tyreek where he was kind of banged up, and 
they had chances against the Bills where he had some drops. So for me, I just felt like based on my expectation and what it was kind of coming into the year, I felt like Puka had a little bit better season, even though Tyreek had more receiving yards. I am shocked that you're going against Tyreek again. Um, I'm going to go with Tyreek. I thought Tyreek, he, he, nobody is better than him. Tell me a, tell me a, a wide receiver who's better than Tyreek. There's not. Julio Jones had a, what, they were both having a, a year that was mirroring one another. And then the Eagles just collapsed. The Dolphins collapsed, but the main star on that team was you still mean working AJ hard. Julio Jones. AJ Brown. I'm sorry. Did, what did I say? You said Julio Jones. It was AJ Brown who was having AJ Brown. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. That's the, the, the whole Eagles situation got ugly and Tyreek Hill is still that guy, even though he missed a game. There, there's no, there's no better wide receiver in the league than Tyreek Hill. And I'm a huge Puka, uh, Puka Nakua fan and Cooper Cup fan, AJ Brown fan. Sorry about Julio Jones. Um, DeAndre Hopkins fan, but. There's nobody better than Tyreek Hill. And there hasn't been anybody better than Tyreek Hill since he became a wide receiver. He is the best wide receiver of the year. The best running back of the year I have is Christian McCaffrey. This is probably the best year I've ever seen him play. I don't think it's actually debatable. Would you agree? Yeah, I felt like this was at the height of his powers where he well, he is the key to the 49ers offense. If they don't have Christian McCaffrey, that's a severely, uh, severely hampered and limited offense. I mean, he had 1,459 yards. He averaged 5.4 yards a game, 14 touchdowns, and 67 receptions. The man bought out this year. He did Christian, excellent. Christian McCaffrey had nearly 300 more yards than the next closest than the next closest running back. That tells you how dominant he was this year compared to his peers. Hey, Jess. Yeah, what's up? Um, you're breaking up over there. We're losing you. Can you say that one more time, please? Christian McCaffrey had nearly 300 more rushing yards than the next closest player, which was Derrick Henry. That tells you how much more dominant he was than his peers. He, he was excellent. And I've always been a, uh, an, uh, a tough critic of Christian McCaffrey, but he did excellent. He is the 49ers right now. Do you think people will vote for him over Lamar Jackson for MVP? I don't think so. I, I think Lamar, it's a narrative award, and it's typically the best quarterback on the team. That's con- that's perceived the best. So in this case, it's going to be Lamar, and I think it'll be pretty. It'll pretty. It'll be pretty lopsided. Okay. Um, moving on, we have the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. I have Los Angeles Rams Puka Nakua, who broke the record for uh, yards and receptions. He had 105 receptions, 1,486 yards, six touchdowns. Um, I'm sorry. Um, with six touchdowns, I apologize. And he averaged 7.4 yards a game. The dude is amazing. The Rams earlier in the season. Earlier in spring, uh, no, spring training, and um, before the season started, the Rams didn't think that they were going to go anywhere. He's a fifth round draft pick who, because he slid in the draft because injuries and shit like that, that made him slip all the way down to the fifth to the fifth round. The Rams came into a gold mine with this guy. He is that special. He is really, really special. Puka Nakua is my offensive rookie of the year. Who do you have next uh, for him? For them? For your? Well, I, I had him as my MVP, and I, I'm going to go see Tish Stroud here. And a lot of it just mainly I have as my MVP, so I'm going to have him also as my offensive rookie of the year. I thought about putting uh, Puka here because a lot of times the ru- uh, runner-up or almost player of the for like offensive player of the year or MVP would typically win this award, but I just I will give both of them to CJ Stroud, so I will go with Stroud here. Okay, respectable coach of the year. Who do you have? Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. I felt like he did a really good job and navigated a a tough position they were in with Deshaun Watson going out for the year. They started, I think, 
four different quarterbacks this year uh, in Deshaun Watson, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, P.J. Walker, and Joe Flacco. So I, I feel like the fact they were even in the playoffs is a testament to how well he coached this year. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Kevin Stefanski, um, but I could see your argument. There's a lot of trouble that Kevin Stefanski may still get in um, regarding the whole Deshaun Watson situation um, and having him play while he's injured um, and putting the team at risk. Like you said, they went through four quarter four quarterbacks. So I respect your pick, but I'm going with Dan Campbell. The Lions went 12-5. and five. They clinched the division for the first time, and I don't know, since 1991. They have a playoff game at home. Um, I'm very happy for Detroit and Detroit Lions, the fans, um, and the players. And Dan Campbell deserves this award. He got cheated last year by a bullshit award, this, this award being given to a bullshit coach in Brian Dabo, who's an overrated coach. Next is, what was the worst part of the 2023 season for you? So I think we're going to be in agreement here. It was the NFL reps. Yep. And just the some of the crazy calls we saw and just some of the unevenness and just it, it became very clear that there's a problem with NFL officiating and there doesn't seem like there's going to be any fixes in the near future. It just was abysmal at times. They were so horrible. I had to turn off certain games and it shouldn't be like that. And when you put your when you invest so much to be taken away over something that they refuse to correct. What, what? How does that make you want to keep watching the games? It doesn't. And it's a smack in the face to fans of any team because it happened to every team of how much they messed up. And they were so egregious heading down a stretch of the season. I mean, they just kept, kept getting worse and worse. W- would you agree with that? It seems yeah, like they the got Cow- bigger and bigger. The errors. The, the Cowboys and Lions game was the prime example of it where the referee – is looking at the guy coming in as opposed to the two guys talking to him. Then he just, he messed up because he's looking at the guy coming in, not the two guys talking to him, declaring themselves or the one of the offensive linemen declaring themselves eligible. He got confused. And instead of taking time and just, instead of taking the time to process everything and get it right, he just says, Oh, yep. 70 eligible. And, and then that they throw a flag. It just, it was a complete mess. And it summed up how bad officiating has been this season. Really, really bad. Um, next we had the defensive rookie of the year. I had the Los Angeles Rams defensive lineman, Kobe Turner. He was the 89th pick in the 2023 draft. He had nine sacks that for a rookie. That's pretty damn good. Who do you got? I have Jerron Blayton. Uh, wait, no. Oh, I, th- I don't think he's a rookie. So I will go. I will actually, I'm going to go with, I'll go with Kobe Turner too. He played really good. I mean, so this is something that you and I spoke about earlier in the season and you made the point. Because I don't watch college football, you do, and you said you got to pay attention, John. That they think that the Rams are not going to be anything, but their defense is really, really young. And if they actually stay together and stick to the game plan, they may actually be really good. And that's they, exactly what happened, Jess. You were a hundred percent right on this. They did exactly what the Chiefs did last year, which is they took a bunch of young players on defense, whether it be the last couple last year and this year, and then bringing in young guys through free agency and undrafted free agency. Uh, they added a lot of youth to their defense, and they played They played the young guys, and they stuck with them despite some struggles in the early to middle part of the season, and it paid off towards the end. And I would say they're one of the hottest teams going into the playoffs because they stuck with their plan, which was a youth movement on defense. And Kobe Turner is the prime example of what happens when you stick with your plan. You know, this may be Sean McVay's best coaching job he's ever done. I mean, I, I think that's fair to say because of, yeah. because of guys like this. They I stuck with the game plan. I want to say the I want to say the Rams have the most dead money of any team in terms of cap space. Uh, 
So I, I think that just goes to show how well he coached the season. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who's their defensive coordinator. Is it Raheem, um, Raheem Morris? Um, uh, I think it's still is Raheem Morris. It is? Yeah, I, I believe it is Raheem Morris still. So. Yeah, he, uh, they did excellent. Yeah, he coached the defense. They did really, really good. Yeah, no, I, I think what we saw with the Rams is a commitment to a youth movement, and that's what you have to do if you're going to do that, is you're going to have young players. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. They might make a lot of mistakes for the first half, maybe even three-fourths of the season. But the hope is for the last five, six games and the last month of the season going into the playoffs, they've improved enough. The, the youth movement works and that now you have young players who are starting to understand what they're doing and it lays a foundation for the future. And I think what we saw with the Rams is that they overhauled their defense. They have a lot of new pieces and it was rough early in the season, rough mid, midway through the season. But as we got towards the end, you can see the flashes start to come. You can see the talent starts to emerge. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, next, we have the most disappointing coaching job. Who do you have? So I think this is really interesting because I they're a playoff team. But for me, it's Nick Sirianni just saying how far the Eagles have fallen. They were a team I had in consideration for biggest disappointment. But they're still the fact they still made the playoffs to me, even if it's just limping in, they got to the playoffs. So, yeah, it's disappointing. But you're in the playoffs. You have a chance to make a run. But in terms of expectations and what I thought they would be, and just overall the adjustments and coaching job, I think Nick Sirianni has the most disappointing coaching job this season just because I expected more out of the Eagles and their issues. They have issues on offense and defense. But the offensive, the offensive issues to me are glaring because he's supposed to be an offensive guy. And the fact that they can't throw the ball, they keep running Jalen Hurts even though he is clearly hurt, just all the problems they have. Just, it doesn't make a ton of sense, and to me, he's he was the most disappointing coach this year. Over the past four weeks, or past five weeks, because they went 11-6, and six, I think they lost five of the last six games that they had, and they I almost they, lost... Huh? I believe they did, yes. And they almost lost twice to the New York Giants, and they lost to the New York Giants Sunday. So that, that was actually, it's like, your defense... Yeah, the offensive line is horrible, the defense is really bad, They're, they may be in trouble, where they don't win their first... Their first playoff game that we're going to get to later on another podcast if they lose the tampa they might fire nick sirianni i don't think it's out there you really think so yeah it's been so poor and it if they lose the tampa that's the ultimate sign that team quit and for a team with that much talent despite the fact that it's gone poorly they have enough talent to get to a super bowl just look at the guys look look at the guys they have they have enough talent to do it if you lose to the tampa bay buccaneers who have kind of struggled and baker not fully sure he's healthy if they lose that game to me that's they they completely just quit on the season. They quit in a playoff game, and they're ready to get rid of Nick Sirianni. And I could easily see the Eagles after that getting rid of Nick Sirianni. Okay, I didn't expect that take from you. That's crazy. That is that's huge. Um, my biggest disappointing coaching job is something that we touched on earlier um, regarding the, the the biggest collapse of the year, and that's from Doug Peterson. I don't know what didn't click. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's clicking. He got bailed out the first year. This year, uh, it was really, really ugly. I don't think anybody could dispute that. In every game, they looked like they were struggling. They really, really looked bad. Whether it's against Buffalo or Tennessee, they really, really looked bad. Um, that's the coach that I said earlier that I could see getting fired. And Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. And if so, a quarterback whispering coach like Andy Reid, you have one in, in Pete Carroll, honestly. He's a player's coach. He'll get them in shape. 
And I think, to your point, if Jalen Hurts needs somebody to actually coach him well, Pete Carroll has done that with so many people. I know you may be against Pete Carroll because he's older, but you and I have had this discussion over the past several years. He's still a really great coach, Jess. Yeah, no, he's still – the Seattle Seahawks traded their franchise quarterback, and they made the playoffs last year and just barely missed this year. Uh, they did a little bit what the Rams did, where they just went really young on defense. The problem is they, it just, they didn't take the set forward, and their offense at times was a little bit inconsistent. But to me, I thought given where Seattle was and just what they are kind of talent-wise, they always seemed like they would be a team that kind of regressed and then took the next step. Or to me, they were a team that was either going to take the big step this year or take the big step next year just because you don't always know when you have a lot of young talent on one side of the ball. And for them, yeah, they didn't take it this year, but I'm a little bit surprised they didn't want to try to see it through because it wouldn't shock me at all given how much youth the Seahawks roster has that if they took that they took the big next step, the big step forward next season. Excuse me. Oh, I, I agree with that also. And just to give some context of where they were in the standings, they were third in their division and they were nine and eight. But if you paid attention to why they were nine and eight in the past, I think six or seven games, I think Geno Smith missed about two or three of those. And if he would have played like he did when he came back from those injuries, he won those games for the most part. So I think they could have won an extra one or two games in there, which would have put them ahead of the Rams. Yeah, and if you just, I think Pete Carroll is a good coach, and if Jacksonville was to make a change, he he's that person you want to bring in. The only question I have with him is age, because I don't know how much longer he's going to coach. To me, if Pete Carroll coaches again, it's probably going to be with a team that's a veteran team or a young team that needs the veteran coach to take the next step forward. Okay, so here's my other one. I know we shouldn't be talking about this because that's not the, the the main focus of this podcast. Is Mike Vrabel. The Tennessee Titans fired Mike Vrabel. He's another quarterback. Huh? I don't understand that one. I don't either. Um, You and I are both huge fans of his. And he's another quarterback whisperer. He can get his teams to do what he's like a Mike Tomlin. Is that a fair fair comparison? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a quarterback whisperer. But the way he builds his team, it's easy for a quarterback. Yes. You saw Ryan Tannehill get to an AFC Championship game with Mike Vrabel is his coach, and the way Mike Vrabel wants to play is we're going to build a really strong defense, we're going to run the ball, we want to run play action, and that can get you a lot of wins. And with Mike Vrabel, they just drafted a young quarterback. They have two young quarterbacks on the roster. You had Will Levis, who at times showed a little bit of uh, promise, but now get rid of Mike Vrabel. It just doesn't, to me, make a lot of sense, uh, unless maybe Vrabel just wanted to really leave and you did him a solid and let him go, but at that point, you're better off trading him. And I, I just don't fully understand what the Titans are doing. It uh, doesn't really seem like they have a plan. And if they do have a plan, plan doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Um, I was shocked because I never would have saw that coming. I honestly called the Pete Carroll shit. I'm like, they did make the playoffs. They're going to get rid of him. And I, I, I don't know. I think either one of these coaches would do good in Jacksonville. And either one of these coaches would do good in Philadelphia. But that's just me. Our last... Um, award is the NFL Assistant Coach of the Year. So I have the Cleveland Brown defensive coach, Jim Schwartz, as my assistant coach of the year. It was tough choosing between him and Spagnolo, but I think Jim Schwartz did a better job with his defense and he had better players. Um, so that, that's what, who my, my award goes to because the Browns defense was, I believe, number one in the NFL for so long through so many weeks. 
So I'm a, that's who I'm going with. Who do you got? I went with Spags. I felt like with Spags, you I felt I felt like with Spags, they the Chiefs have a lot of young talent, but they're still guys who are second and third year guys. As opposed to Cleveland, who has now got some more veteran talent. I feel like Spags really took a step forward with a lot of young guys on a young defense. And I, I think sometimes as you see it with a team like Washington, it can be harder for veteran coaches like that to get through to young defenses. That's fair. He did a really good job. Um, I don't know if Chris Jones is going to come back next year. I don't think he should. Um, as we go into the playoffs this um, this weekend, Saturday, it's going to be, I think, negative. It's going to be like zero degrees with a negative, I think, 10-degree windshield. I've been to the Pittsburgh Steelers game where no matter how many players you have on, that ball is going to kill you because it's so fucking cold in that stadium. Excuse me. Um, and there's rumors of Frank Clark coming back. So I don't know how likely that is. Um, but if he can get Frank Clark and, and get in his head to say, listen, we just need you for three to four games, we got you. We're good. It could change everything. Any comments you want to you talk about before we go, Jess? Uh, no, I think that about sums it up. Those are our awards for the 2023 NFL season. What a season it was. What a... Uh, a lot of headlines that came out of this. Josh McDaniels being fired. Bill Belichick may be gone. Pete Carroll lost his job. Mike Vrabel lost his job. Mike Tomlin continue, continues to have a win streak of, I think, 17 years of, of just straight winning seasons. Um, is, is there anybody else I'm missing? Arthur Smith, thank God he's fired. Um, just injuries throughout the NFL. I think this may have been the only season I've ever seen where they've had this many backup quarterbacks start in the NFL. I mean, they were everywhere. Yeah, there was only a handful of teams that actually had their starting quarterback for the entire season. Um, yeah, no, yeah. It, it it was definitely a interesting season where we saw a lot of defensive heavy teams. Um, as of right now, they are the teams that look like they're going to make a run. But it, it'll be interesting to see how the playoffs goes because in the playoffs, Things get tighter, and a lot of it comes down to quarterback and quarterback play. You wonder if it will flip a little bit because this season has been so defense-heavy. Do some of these quarterbacks start to kind of go off in the playoffs? Uh, that could be the difference between who is in the Super Bowl and who's not. I couldn't agree more, and I can't wait to see what happens. Um, stay tuned for our next podcast where we break down the entire playoff scenario coming up this weekend and going forward. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I am Big John. That's Jesse J. And we'll see you on the next podcast. You don't stop rapping in the world today. You don't. You don't. You don't. We need to make a change one day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Referendum Podcast brought to you by Finn Flam Sports. We would like to invite you to like us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can find somebody, we are there. TikTok, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to give us your support. We truly appreciate it. We hope to see you next time.